questions you'd be asking are, am I actually awake? Did this really happen? What drugs did I accidentally ingest? <laughs> People saying it's like, Derek Fisher looks like an athlete whose second sport is baseball. I feel like the questions imply that we are somehow either much dumber or much smarter than the actual Blue Jays front office. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 156 of Artificial Turf Wars. I'm your host, Greg Wazdowski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. How you doing, Josh? Not too bad. A little sick, though. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we'd like you to know that tonight's episode is brought to you by the number 6,106. We'll talk about that briefly, um, why that's so important. So, um, we have a bunch of things to talk about, which uh, are, you know, are good. The, the team is still interesting, I think. The, the team's trying not to lose 100 games. That's a thing. Uh, they were in quite the losing streak. Uh, they, they broke it in style. We're going to talk about that game. Uh, also, uh, Anthony Kay is a Blue Jays pitcher for real now. Um, the Jays playing defense, maybe not their favorite thing to do. Wilmer Font is uh, not the guy you thought he was. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, Rowdy Tellez, uh, Kevin Biggio, they're uh, rounding into form. Anthony Alford is keeping the bench warm, and you have a few things to say about that. Uh, we have, of course your questions and we have somehow it's a Mets related do-over again but it's it's normally you know it's a PR thing with the Mets this is this is purely statistical nonsense so 6,106 congratulations Jonathan VR <laughs> so that is the most home runs ever hit in a major league baseball season and here we were on September 11th uh watching that or was it even the 10th i thought it was last night um we're recording this on the 12th of course but we're watching that home run go and there are like three weeks left in the regular season yep it's ridiculous this new baseball has made all home run accounting impossible <laughs> mm -hmm. you need like i uh... don't know if this person's good i have no idea if they're a good power hitter <laughs> i have no idea if this team is historic or just relying on this fluky baseball it's really messed up yeah it's it's something else I, I i do like the irony of the team that's given up more homers than any team in history the baltimore orioles uh having the guy who hit the home run that that put the league over the top so they've helped both ways really they've <laughs> <laughs> gotta be gotta be on both sides of the ball so uh congratulations with a big question mark to um that record which I'm sure if they change the ball back to anything that, that is uh, reasonable, will never be touched again. By the way, it's kind of funny that, so the record was broken a couple of years ago, and it was broken by Alex Gordon, who had only nine home runs all year and was terrible on a terrible team. And this year it's Jonathan VR <laughs> on a terrible team. With great timing. Yeah, I mean, at least VR has 20 home runs or something like that. But yeah, it's just... It's just stupid. The fact that I could say Jonathan Yard twenty home runs. Yeah, it's it's out of whack, and uh, I'm I'm sure it will seem more in whack if we continue on this vein for a couple more years. But but this year has clearly been um, a ridiculous aberration uh, that 
Yeah. We probably are going to have a tough time working into why it was a a good thing in the long run. Uh, But we'll move on to the other number, 100, which is probably important for Blue Jays fans, just, just for the sake of dignity. Yeah, you never want to lose 100 games. Yeah. It just looks bad. Yeah, I mean... Three-digit loss column. <laughs> and it's a long way to go between losing 100 games, which a lot of teams have done a lot of times, and um, and losing 120 like the, the uh, Amazing Mets did. Uh, so, you know, we're not saying it's historically bad, but it is aesthetically bad. And the Blue Jays tend not to fall into those, you know, really disappointing seasons. That's been... You know, some people have argued part of the, the problem from time to time is they, they never um, they never sell a, the organization into a re, re, real rebuild. And because of their division, they have trouble building without, you know, um, having a low payroll. But they've worked themselves into that situation, but they still don't want to lose 100 games. They're in pretty good shape now, having broken, uh, I guess the losing streak was really making people think we, we might be in 100 lost territory. Yeah, I mean, going into that streak, it was like, ah, uh, it's like the Jays need to win. I think it was like eight out of 17. It's like, oh, they could do that. And then it's like, oh, no, they had to go eight and 17. That's what it was. Eight out of 25, which is really bad as far as winning percentages go. But then it was like, oh, crap. Now they have to win eight out of 18. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty much needing to play 500 ball here to get, get back in the in the, the right zone. So... Uh, fortunately, the Red Sox came to town. Did you think, would anybody think we would say fortunately the Red Sox came to town the year after they won the World Series? <laughs> if they, if they, if you were ever going to think that at any point this year, it would probably be now because there seems like they're playing out the string, but still, no, definitely not. The Blue Jays, two hit the Red Sox. Yeah, it was there. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad that baseball is a game where uh, nothing makes sense in in the small, <laughs> you know, in the no, micro. Yeah, in the micro, nothing makes sense because uh, otherwise, I would be questioning a lot of things right now. Uh, the Blue Jays to hit the Red Sox is a sentence that you know on the surface just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever in this season. The questions you'd be asking are: Am I actually awake? Did this really happen? <laughs> what drugs did I accidentally ingest? <laughs> Those would be the questions, yes. Um, and of course, the Blue Jays did it on the on the backs of some. They didn't even have a starter, did they? Did they not start with an opener? No, they yeah they did. Wilmer Font started the game. Yeah, so Wilmer Font starts the game, and then Trent Thornton steps in. And again, Trent Thornton has not been fantastic. I remind everyone, as if you need to be reminded. And then five no hit innings. Yeah, he was awesome, and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But he did this <laughs> against the Yankees actually a couple times uh, uh, before this, and we're, I remember talking about this on the podcast about how he was throwing extra cutters and it's like, oh, maybe that's the thing he's going to try to do going forward. And no, I mean that's uh, this time it was according to Baseball, or sorry, Alexis Bernicki at Baseball Alexis. She writes for OB.com now. He was trying to throw a different version of a curveball that was taught to him by Clay Buckholtz or throw it in a way that he'd never considered before. So, I mean, who knows how real that is? Because a lot of times you get people saying they did something and it's just, they actually just pitched flukely well and that's pretty much it. But I don't know if, if it's potentially true, that would be interesting. 
I think if, if Clay Buckles leaves this team with a legacy, it won't be the one that he has from being on the mound. So that would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, Thorne was awesome. It was, it was really a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, there is, of course, all that talk that the Red Sox, having just fired uh, Dave Dombrowski, um, which is weird to me. But okay, they fired Dave Dombrowski the, the year, not even one year after he won them a World Series, but whatever. Um, that, that Mookie Betts might be on the trading block. I'm, yeah, that's nonsense to me. The idea that they would trade Mookie Betts is freaking crazy. They still have Chris Sale, <laughs> Raphael Devers, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts. I'm assuming Chris Sale will be back healthy and fine, by the way. And probably J.D. Martinez, because I... It, you know, if he opts out, like he's a true DH, where's he going to go? That's really good. That's the core of the team that just won the World Series. How would you be like trying to rebuild off that? Is David Price also not still under contract? Yes, David Price as well. So, I mean, not that he's, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird. It's almost like if you built a decent bullpen, the Red Sox would contend again. Yeah, and yeah, I, don't I, I don't I don't get it. I don't either. Uh, okay, so the other game that we need to talk about is Anthony Kay's debut. What are our thoughts on Mr. K? He looked really good. Uh, he did not start with an opener, as which I believe we there was question about that when when because uh, they did that with TJ Zoig. But yeah, he looked really good. He got eight strikeouts in five and two thirds, and I think almost I think it was seven strikeouts on curveballs and one on a changeup. You know, seven swinging strikes, thirteen looking strikes. I, he he pitched great. And he was facing a, a Tampa team that's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, it's what it's what you want. I mean, you want a guy to step right into those shoes. So uh, yeah, how old is K again? Twenty four, I believe. So that's you. You need a young arm, and the Blue Jays we've talked over and over again need pitching. So uh, it would be nice to see him get you know three more starts. I think it works out to two or three. Uh, see if he can can keep it up yeah it'd be very nice uh so one of the things that we talked about when marcus stroman got traded was that the mets defense was just as bad as the jays defense and the jays took that to heart did they <laughs> well they were already taking it to heart i mean that the, the jays defense is not very good but you know like by baseball prospectus defensive efficiency in the bottom half of the league ground ball defense efficiency it's in the bottom six in the league and now they're just trying to make that the fly ball defense efficiency is right there with it because, my goodness, if you've watched the last couple of games, in the game that's currently going on, the Jays are, current, are losing 4-2. to two. Three of Boston's runs, or at least two of them, have been directly resulted from Jays outfielders just not catching baseballs. First, Billy McKinney slid and hit the ball, hit off the heel of his glove, so he overslid. And then Derek Fisher just missed one at the fence in left field. I don't know if he overran it got lost it in the scoreboard or something but and then in the boston game the first hit they got was a flare to left that tiasker Hernandez just got a bad root on it's not what you want no um i I do wonder when guys are playing out the string as we we say if they do lose a little bit of that focus out there and that that intensity of of every play matters see i would be willing to accept that as an answer if these guys hadn't been doing it from the beginning <laughs> the, D, the, J, the Jays defense like going around the diamond the Jays have a good defender at one spot catcher 
Which, I mean, who would have thought that coming in the season, by the way, that the, jet, the best defender of the Jays would be the catcher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was not the reputation that we got out of, uh, out of either of the young catchers, particularly, especially, you know, the guy they're going to go with every day, Jansen. That, he was there for his bat, which has been yeah. uh, strangely absent. McGuire had the defensive reputation. Like, he's an elite defender and always was all the way up, but, you know, he was the backup in the minors. I mean, but Jansen has been great. And, you know, smoke is smoke, but doesn't play first half the time anymore. Biggio's not good at second. Bichette's up and down at short. Vlad's below average at third. And the entire outfield is below average. That's quite the thing. That's That doesn't scream championship team to me. So No, but, they really need to address it. Yeah. Can, can you practice defense? Like, I mean, obviously you can replace one or two of those guys with a better defender at at some cost somewhere but i mean ultimately you're you're not going to turn over you know seven guys to try and get good defenders at every position um can you teach defense i mean to a point you can definitely work on changing a player's positioning so that they can see get better angles on the ball or take advantage of where their strengths and weaknesses are like playing them in or out depending on their first step uh you can just hit a ton of balls at them and so that they learn how to read them better. But there are ceilings, I believe, in this. I think there's natural reactions and just instincts that, you know, that have so like there's only so good you can get, essentially, is my belief. Which is why they should play Randall Gritchuk in center and they aren't. Yeah. Like Lourdes <laughs> Gurriel was like a natural left fielder. He had good instincts out there and he could get better with repetition. Derek Fisher looks like he's not supposed to be playing baseball. <laughs> Well, Derek Fisher with a bat in his hands also, uh, you know, if you read the stat line, looks like maybe he shouldn't be playing baseball at this level just yet either. I, 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 I can't remember if I even talked about this in the last podcast, but I've seen this a few times now recently. People saying it's like Derek Fisher looks like an athlete whose second sport is baseball. <laughs> or like he looks like he's just like he, he should be playing another sport. Like he does not look like a baseball player on the field. Now, Billy McKinney does, and he's no better than Derek Fisher. So that doesn't really mean a whole lot in the end of it. But it is funny to look at. I, he's I, not quite Hunter Pence out there, but he's on the spectrum. <laughs> Hunter Pence was on the spectrum of like human being to alien, um, not ball player to football player or something. I, I think the the weird part about about the Blue Jays is is how consistently they get the same kind of guy and he he becomes more of that guy once he puts on the uh the uniform with a little blue jay on it. So, yeah, I mean that's a whole other thing. I mean it's not just the defensive side, it's the offensive side too. These they have the same outfielder four different times, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> You look at, like, the strikeout rate, the low walk rate. At least Teoscar Hernandez ISO is over 200. So he brings something uh, when he actually makes contact, which you've alluded to in the past. But most of the rest of these guys are so much swing and miss and a disinterest overall in walking. Uh, and it's like, wow, why are well, you collecting these guys? Hitters, sorry, yeah. Well, among qualified hitters, Randall Gritchick has the lowest on-base percentage in baseball. Or maybe that's qualified outfielders. I think it's, yeah. But yeah, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's. I was I was looking earlier at Fangraphs, and it was like strikeout guys over thirty 
four percent or something is like there's like six guys and they're all blue jays outfielders on the like the, all the outfielders on the team are in the same zone and none yep. of them none of them walk the the walkers are the first baseman the second baseman and to an extent the third baseman yeah that's what they wanted it's really what they wanted which is the one thing about management i don't understand is they keep thinking that these guys are gonna you know it's like betting on on number 14 on the roulette wheel over and over and over again thinking hey eventually it's got to come up and it's really gonna pay off yeah uh okay so a pleasant surprise wilmer font has been a pleasant surprise yeah i mean who saw that coming well, I guess we sort of did. I mean, when they, when they when they when they picked him up, we talked about how this would be a good fit for him because he's a hard thrower and just take advantage of that. But you know, he came over here after a four nine four ERA with the Mets and five seven nine with the Rays. He's played for both teams in the season, but he's just been great as a Blue Jay. Yeah, his ERA is like two point seven nine, I think. That's correct. That that's like one of three Blue Jays all year with an ERA under three or maybe four Blue Jays with an area under three, and, like, Marcus Stroman doesn't play for the team anymore, and Matt Shoemaker is uh, permanently ill. So the only other guy is, like, Ken Giles. <laughs> this pitching wow. staff, man. I, I, I was thinking of listing all the pitchers with an ERA over five who have ten or more innings pitched with the Blue Jays, but then I realized we didn't have time in the podcast. That's depressing. Yes, very, very yes, it is. But not Wilmer Font. Wilmer Font's doing it. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, I think we talked we, before. We were saying, you know, like do people what do they have to do to earn a spot? I think he has earned a spot on the team next year. Yeah, and I I would be really hesitant to mess with this role if you've got a weak rotation. It seems like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. Yeah, I think he's great in this purpose. Just come out, throw smoke and some good sliders, and I guess he throws change-ups too. He has a full starters arsenal, actually, because he was a starter when he first came up to the minors. But, just but get your five or six until, outs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. until you get starters who can actually be trusted to go pitch six, seven innings, why not? Yeah, absolutely. So good on you, Wilmer. You uh, you picked up the ball and you did the right thing with it. You threw it in the correct direction at the appropriate velocity. <laughs> Unlike many, many others who have attempted this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that trying to compare him to the rest of the Blue Jays does him a bit of a disservice, though, because he's actually been good for any team. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So a couple other interesting guys who've, who've kind of come around of late, one of which, of course, is our favorite punching bag, uh, Rowdy Tellis, who looks like he should be hitting. I mean, if there's any guy who looks like a big first baseman, is it not Rowdy? Well, he is a big first baseman. <laughs> but I mean, like the prototypical, hey, this guy mashes dingers all the time. You should be afraid of him. But that's not his... I mean, he's got like a 720-something OPS over the course of the year. Until he faces the Red Sox, which he's been doing yeah. for two nights. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt Corey had a pretty funny tweet. Uh, so Scott Mitchell referenced Randall Grichuk's lowest on-base percentage of all qualified hitters. Mm -hmm. And then in his follow-up, he, he said, like, if you drop the threshold, then Drury, Tellez, 
Jansen and they, they joined Grichik on the list. And then Matthew Corey, friend of the podcast, replied, <laughs> tell us it's worth keeping around for the 18 times the season the Jays play Boston. It almost seems t- like it. <laughs> Entering today, he was hitting 410 with a 489 on base percentage and a 1.026 slugging percentage against the Red Sox. Uh, this came up the last time they faced the Red Sox in Boston. I was I was going back and forth with Matt on Twitter that essentially what Rafael Devers does to the Blue Jays, Rowdy Tellez does to the Red Sox without any reasonable explanation from either of them. Yeah. It's fine. You got to have your team. I mean, I, I always, you know, uh, Johnny Damon destroyed the Blue Jays for inexplicable reasons. So there's always that one guy on the other team that you hate. Not because he's good because he's good against your team and it's it's worth having that even if you maybe they keep rowdy in triple a and they only call him up when there's a red Sox series just to rub it in <laughs> i think matt would probably cry if that happened <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so like the thing with Telez, he hasn't really been better since coming back he's just hit for more home runs i mean since coming back he's got a 206 batting average with a 296 on base and a 476 slugging <laughs> So that's an ISO of 276 because he's got five home runs. So I'm not sure I'm ready to say that he looks like a big leaguer yet because you know, he's only gotten more than one hit in a game once. And he's struck out a whole lot. I'm with you. I don't think he, he looks like a big leaguer to me long term. Uh, other than in that physically imposing way I was talking about. Uh, yeah, I think the Blue Jays need more options because Justin Smoke, now that he's got the playing time thing kind of eaten into, has also been pedestrian. Yeah. By the way, the Jays outfield just made another mistake. <laughs> uh, breaking news, water is wet. <laughs> yep. Okay, Kevin Biggio. He's somehow massaged his way uh, with all them walks, which he continues to take. So mad respect to him. Uh, back up to a league average uh, OPS plus. Or, or sorry, WRC plus. My bad. I was reading a different site. So is is he an everyday option for the Blue Jays if he can be league average? I think so. I mean, Biggio has shown such a demonstrated skill to command the strike zone. And he's got 11 steals with opening caught once, which is incredible considering he's not that fast. So he's a good base runner. I'm willing to give him chances to try to clean up some of that other issue. I mean, he strikes out a ton. But he's got 62 walks in 85 games, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. he's. He, he, I mean, especially when you look up and down this lineup, he's obviously not taking tips from anyone else. <laughs> uh, no. Justin Smoke, maybe. Yeah, but no, he just he just has a, a tremendous command of the strike zone. He's one of the best in the league at not swinging at pitches out of the zone. The problem is that when he does swing, he just doesn't make enough contact. And I'm not sure that's ever going to be the case that he'll make a lot of contact. But if if he can put up numbers like this with just a little bit more contact, then that's a pretty useful player. I think though this is this is the Justin Smoke profile though. Young Justin Smoke had more problems than this. Um, until he figured out uh, how to how to make his his game work better in terms of command of the zone versus um, contact versus power and everything else. So I think there is probably hope there because I mean, Biggio is not twenty years old, but um, well, 
I mean, I think that's kind of a, a bit of a scary comparison because Justin Smoke had for batting average in the minors, right? He was always supposed to be a better hitter contact-wise than he was once he came to the big. So Biggio had struggled with contact in the minor leagues as well. Did he walk in the minors? Who, Smoke? No, Biggio. Biggio? Yeah. So like the, the patience, I think, is there, but the contact, I, I think that the guy figuring out the contact is he's not, not a great comparison. Okay. You're fair. Shoot me down. It's good. <laughs> I'm not trying to say it's not possible. I just it, just guys like this who don't make a lot of contact, it's hard often for them to get the kind of gains that the smoke made, you know, a couple of years ago, for example. I, I imagine I'm thinking differently because there's guys who don't make contact and don't walk, which is you know, complete ignorance of the strike zone. Again, obviously these are professionals. Um because my my ignorance of the strike zone is absolute. Um, but I, I just think that if you have a sense of where the ball is going to be, then you can, with, with the right coaching, I think, make it a, a more discretionary choice about when to swing. What is your pitch? If you have a very good understanding of what pitches are coming. Yeah. I, I haven't looked in the splits for, uh, for Kevin Vigio yet. I was trying to just quickly do it while we're talking here and just way too much information. I'd be curious to see how often he gets into two strike counts because you know this is sort of what you're talking about i mean think of like adam dunn or yohan mancada is actually a great example of this because coming into the season mancada was he was walking a ton but striking out a ton and this year he's started being a little more aggressive earlier in counts is having a great season so it's like like biggio this year or mancada was just getting into two strike counts so much because he was taking so many pitches mm-hmm and he's decided to start being a little more aggressive in counts and having a great year. So maybe that's a switch that could be made. I'm not sure. I, like I said, I haven't looked too, too deeply at the numbers, but I definitely want to run him out there until he shows he's not a big leaguer. Cool. Now we're going to talk about the guy who I think you're probably most frustrated at the, at the treatment of. Anthony, hey, is the bench warm enough yet, Alfred? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I was tweeting about this yesterday, and Matt Trueblood like said, "It's like I think of him as the unofficial official outfielder of the turf pod." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some truth to that. Um, so the, the the defensive mistake in the outfield was just made was by him. So it's like great job, great. Now he's not going to be benched again. I don't get it though. Like I, I don't get why. Well, Lourdes Gurriel's out. They're rolling out Jonathan Davis, who has – I don't see any future with the team. And then it's like Billy McKinney, Derek Fisher, Randall Gritchuk. Like, why not try to play the guy who might be different from all of those other guys and see, hey, maybe if we give this guy an extended run, if he can be close to what we thought he was going to be two years ago when we were talking about him as one of the best prospects in the system. He's out of options. He's got to play. But, but that's the know. part I, I, I don't get think... is, is it's not even, oh, we're only going to play him twice a week. It's like, oh, he's down there on the bench. I guess we better pinch hit him like once this week. It, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. And, it, you know, so Matt, in, in that tweet where he called him the, <laughs> the outfielder of the turf pod, he suggested that he thinks the team might just be ready to move on from Alfred. And I hope that's not true, but... I am getting some Dalton Pompey vibes here where it's like you keep getting injured. We can't rely on you. You've never moved past this level at AAA and now you're out of options. So you got to kill it in spring to hope to get take advantage of the 26th man roster instead of the 25 man next year. 
I just don't think that's very fair. You know what I mean? I mean, life ain't fair. But it seems like if you're really going to do that to the guy, what was the point in calling him up here? If you think he's injured and he's worn out and you want to give him a chance, you know, the best chance possible for the spring, having him hang around for another month on the major league bench for nothing just seems like you're like, you're not really helping him with that. Nope. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's one thing if they want, like if they said, okay, we really need to find out what Derek Fisher is. We invested this capital in him to trade for him. And then when Gurriel comes back, it's like, we need to see what Gurriel, you know, we need to get him his reps because he missed so much time from the injury and he's still learning the new position. But Jonathan Davis? <laughs> like, come on. Well, surely they know just about, about as much as Jonathan da- about Jonathan Davis, if not more, than they know about Anthony Alford. Yeah, and, and like Billy McKinney is like, you know what Billy McKinney is? So, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> this is going to be oh, well. titled the Things We Don't Get episode of Artificial Turf Wars. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to come back with your questions and maybe we'll get some of those things straightened out uh, right after this. And we have returned to bring you, yes, the most important part of the entire show. If you've uh, submitted a question via Twitter, anyway, that's probably what you think. Uh, It is questions. I pressed the button. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Indeed. Uh, I could, but I won't. I'm just going to read the question. You know, we don't often get a multiple choice question, Josh. I think people uh, expect a lot of us. So shout out to (laughs) Curtis. (laughs) Go ahead. So it's Curtis Butcher asks, uh, with respect to Thornton being started with the opener from Wilmer Fond, protecting Thornton are a sign of things to come. We'll do that part first. They even said they're trying to limit his innings because he's thrown a bunch this year. So it's protecting Thornton but not in the way you think here's a multiple choice expanding the use of the opener in 2020 will help the Jays to A. gain an on-field advantage B. get creative in free agency C. keep salaries low or D. other um I think probably A and B is what they're going to be aiming for um obviously you use the opener to gain an on-field advantage to mess with the other guy's lineup a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, this team is not going to break the bank in free agency because they literally never have in their entire history, and I don't see them starting now. So you get another Clayton Richard type pitcher. DFA today. Sorry, Clayton. It's your birthday. What is birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Happy effing birthday, Clayton Richard. Um, he wasn't yeah. even DFA. He was just straight released. Yeah, well, he, they paid him. He's already yeah. already made his money. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think they're uh, they're probably going to try and pair up an opener with one of those guys if they see that opportunity. So A and B for me. Okay. L at Ellie Ellie Hart 
says, what do you think the goal of next season should be? And what do you think the goal of next season will be? And in that same vein, Zach Meyer at Zach B. Meyer asks us, do you think the Jays will try and be aggressive in the free agent pitcher market? Do you think we are a few good pitchers from being competitive? Like we both have these, do you think they should or are? And do you think, what do you think they will be? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that they should be aggressive in the free agent pitcher market and try to get a Zach Wheeler or heck a Garrett Cole. That's, I don't think it's going to happen, but and get, you know, a couple good arms. And I do think that there are a few good pitchers from being competitive. I don't think there are one good pitcher from being competitive. And I think that should be the goal. I think the goal should be to try to take a leap forward next year and really make a go at being close to contention at least so that you can give these guys a taste of what it's like to win a little bit. But I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be more of what we saw this year where it's like try to give the kids the chance. It's like, you know, we're going to see what Nate Pearson is and TJ Zoik and Anthony Kay and yeah. I feel like the questions imply that we are somehow either much dumber or much smarter than the actual Blue Jays front office. <laughs> Well, but we're also fans, right? So yes. what we want is different than what they want. Um, it's the implication. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're probably going to go soft on the, the aggressiveness. and I, Soft on the aggressiveness. I like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they, well, they're going to talk a big fight. Because that's going to get people a little bit excited until you realize that, that uh, the Clay Buckholzes of the world are still coming home to roost, at least at the back end of the Blue Jays rotation. Just because. That's the way we do things around here. I, I would love to see the Blue Jays commit to 40 or $50 million, uh, whether by trade or free agency, extra on, on the payroll right off the bat. I would have no problem with that. And I think knowing how many teams seem to be like, well, we don't really need to try, and expecting that trend to continue, um, really, anything over 500 starts to wiggle into wildcard territory, doesn't it? At least because into we can maybe think about making another move to get into wildcard territory. Yeah. I mean you're in you're in that eighty eighty to eighty five win lane and you, you add one or two guys near the deadline and now you're in the you know the eighty five to ninety win lane if, if they're you know good rental players. Hey, I'll take it. It's a heck of a lot more exciting than what we've been observating for the last few weeks. I love how, by the way, like the 85 win vein just got Boston's president fired. <laughs> <laughs> different standards. Yeah, well, different different path. They come, Coming from 108 wins to 85 is different than going, going from 70 to 85. Yes, less good. Mm. You going to hit me with the next question? Yes, I will. Okay, so the next question comes from Brian A. at BJ Arsenal 84 have we overhyped Vlad Jr.? Sure, he's doing okay, but when you look at some of the other rookies that have come up this year and what they've accomplished, it seems like even our modest expectations of Vladdy may have been too much. I don't think so. I think, I think yeah, I'll have to start somewhere, and I think uh, Vlad certainly hasn't, like, cratered out at any point this season and, and uh, you know, gone through a streak where he's gone... Like some other players we've seen called up, gone like 0 for 15. Um, he's just not that kind of player. And I think I think that's underestimated, the value of that consistency. And I don't think he's very far away from, from getting over that uh, rookie hump. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that looking at these super successful rookies that you're talking about, 
sometimes rookies take longer. I mean, <laughs> or sometimes they have a great first year and a terrible second year, terrible relative. Like, like Cody Bellinger was amazing in his first year, not so great in his second year, and he's amazing again. Sometimes guys just take longer to really find that consistency. And I, you look at his K to walk, his exit velocity, it's like it's really close to being right there. Yeah, I, I think that there are adjustments to be made. Absolutely. I don't think this is the Vlad Jr. you want, but I don't I don't think he's incapable of making those adjustments. I agree. All right. Basketball her at baseball her says, did you think we would win at least two or three against them? Them being the Red Sox, presumably. Yeah, because the turf pod question said, we're, it's, if you have any questions as the Jays look for a sweep against the Red Sox with a nice Mickey Mouse gif. No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) But in the micro, (laughs) yeah, you don't have to expect stuff just happens. Given especially given the way they were playing coming in with that losing streak we talked about, no, 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 no. (laughs) But eventually things have to stop. But what was the uh, the weird stat the other day? Someone, someone beat someone twenty to whatever, and then allowed twenty runs. Was it the Dodgers? Is the Astros. the Astros? Yeah, the Astros won twenty-one to one, fifteen nothing, and then lost twenty-one to seven. It's like the the weirdest shrug emoji ever. Like, what happened on day three? Did you suddenly blowouts? Is that the rule? Like, <laughs> win or lose, someone has to score fifteen or more runs. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. All right, we're almost at the end of the questions. We have, of course, our uh, our good friend, Kate Stanwick, who is quite the regular question asker at OK Stan. Why is Buddy Bo Shears still a Blue Jay? The only answer is because he's a, a left-handed, healthy person and the team is playing for nothing because he's terrible. <laughs> he's really bad. I mean, if you have one job is to get lefties out, you sure as heck better throw strikes to them, and he's not good at that. Uh, yeah, I, I I, don't know. It's a 40-man roster. It's the last time ever we're going to see these 40-man rosters. Everybody gets called up. So good on you, buddy, for sticking it out due to what will be an odd, uh, odd and antiquated rule next year. All right, so uh, that means that we can go, I believe, to uh, the do-over. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... What I really meant was, we're back at the Mets again. Uh, you would think we actually followed the Mets like closely, but they just keep popping up. <laughs> It's special, really. Like the Mets are just—they just living up to this this whole thing where it's just like they do everything wrong. <laughs> so Mickey Callaway attempted to explain the pairing of Noah Syndergaard with Thomas Nito versus Wilson Ramos. Would you want to break that down for us? Yeah. So it leaked that Syndergaard preferred throwing to Nito than Ramos. Frankly, because Ramos is one of the worst receiving catchers in baseball. But he so, didn't say that. <laughs> no. Um, for some reason, Callaway felt the need to comment on it. And he said he admits that Syndergaard's ERA is better with Thomas Nito, but made sure to note Syndergaard's win-loss record is better with Wilson Ramos. So? I mean, <laughs> this is the guy who had 
Jacob deGrom win the Cy Young last year. <laughs> he should know how little wins and losses have to do with pitcher performance. Absolutely. I, every coach, manager, anyone professional <clears throat> who is getting paid to win the games should know that the, the pitcher stat is useless. Um, yeah. Callaway, yeah. but he continued, by the way, he said he's what, six and two or five and two with Ramos and he's got seven losses. So he's lost five more games with other catchers. Let's throw all that statistical stuff in, in the garbage and just ask the question. If you have a pitcher who wants to throw to a particular catcher, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Meet the Mets. So the, <laughs> speaking of like tactical decisions, so Mickey Calloway the other day, by the way, he intentionally walked Andrew Knapp, who is the Phillies backup catcher, to get to Bryce Harper so that the Phillies would have to take Mike Morin, a pitcher with an ERA over four, out of the game. Because Bryce Harper was the pinch hitter for the pitcher. He intentionally walked to get to Bryce Harper for that reason. I don't. That, that was that was his strategy decision. Did Harper make him pay? Yeah, they ended up giving up a few runs in that inning. I think Harper walked or something like that. But it was just insane. Yeah. Like this is the kind of stuff. Mickey Calloway, by the way, like speaking of the syndicate, Mickey Calloway was a pitching coach. He should know how important <laughs> pitcher catcher relationships are. Uh, whether you judge them by ERA or not, and certainly don't judge them by wins and losses. All right. So the duel, oh yes, and by the way, yeah, he was a major league pitcher. <laughs> so what's your yeah. do over? How can the do over you... is stop trying to justify stupid decisions. <laughs> just accept, just accept that you made the wrong decision and move forward. <laughs> apologize and move on that's probably the is that not most of our do-overs when you boil them right down sometimes sometimes we try to get creative yes but in this case we would be happy if if the mets as an organization apologized and moved on i feel like if the jays could only have swapped Syndergaard for stroman we'd be having some real fun right now (laughs) that would have been very interesting i think twitter would have exploded back in the fold baby that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? All right. We have moved through the week that was. We have moved through the questions. We have moved through the do-over in New York. Uh, we have yet to move towards your final thought. Yeah, so the the Blue Jays have named part of their Arizona Fall League team, which starts this week. They haven't named all of their pitchers yet, which is really weird. I, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they're going to send some of the guys that are currently in the big leagues, which makes no sense. I, I don't really know what's happening there, but uh, it's very, very unusual. Hmm. That's my final thought. I don't really understand it. Just to keep the theme of this podcast. <laughs> the thing I don't have any explanation for in the minor leagues is this. Okay, um, also, one more thing, since it's more real. Elvis Luciano has been activated, which seems like the craziest service time games ever. <laughs> the day that would be his cutoff for control through next year, which means that by allowing them to send him down next year, he's suddenly healthy. <laughs> it's magic. Uh, notwithstanding, uh, my final thought is that activating Elvis Luciano gives the Blue Jays a pitcher on the active roster who has more walks than strikeouts. 
like it. <sighs> I don't right. like it, but no, I like I it. <laughs> <laughs> I like your observation. Don't like your conclusion. Um, okay. So, what am I here to tell you? I am here to tell you uh, that uh, this has been episode number 156 of Artificial Turf Wars on the Big Heads Podcast Network. And you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And I have been Coolhead 2010. Wait, no, I've been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. Oh, and believe it or not, we're going to talk at you next week.